Hi, welcome to episode 577 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I want to play with my ding-a-ling. This is a free country. Live like you want to live, baby. Yeah. Ain't nobody gonna knock it, darling. Mm-mm. Yeah, freedom. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue one and going all the way to issue 645. Today, it's Fantastic Four 577 from May 2010. Prime Elements 3. Universal Inhumans by Jonathan Hickman and Dale Eaglesham. And so, as you can tell from the title, and from the cover, if you were looking at the cover, as I am, the Inhumans are back. And geez, it seems like forever since we've seen them in the pages of the Fantastic Four. The issue opened six months ago on the blue area of the moon. Most of the royal family of the Inhumans is there. Black Bolt, Medusa, Gorgon, Lockjaw, Triton. The magnificent Karnak isn't there, but some old dude with a long white beard is floating around. Medusa says, it is time. It seems that they're going somewhere, and the old dude was chosen to stay behind. So the Inhumans leave with the entire city taking off like a rocket and flying away. The old man follows their progress over the next few months on some kind of holographic GPS system, all while the Watcher peeks over his shoulder. Ugh, Uatu is like the nosiest neighbor you could ever have. He's worse than Gladys Kravitz. So finally, we get to yesterday, or at least someday in 2009, when a big giant ship appears and lands in the crater where Attilan was. And back on Earth, at FF Headquarters, Reed immediately has some satellite footage of this. So Reed has a satellite orbiting the moon? I guess that answers the age-old question, who watches the Watcher? Reed does! So Reed has no idea what the ship is. Oh, I know where this is headed, Johnny says. Who's up for a walk on the moon? Reed asks. So 30 minutes later, the roof of the Baxter building opens up and out comes the FF's rocket ship. Oh, I'm sure the neighbors love when this happens. It's gotta shatter all kinds of windows and stuff. With the noise, you would think. Pretty soon they reach the moon, they land, they get out, and they approach the blue area of the moon where that big ship has landed. So Reed does a scan, detecting the energy readings and, and uh, heat signatures inside. And then he asks, how do we get in? How do you get in? You have a guy on your team, The Thing, who is an expert on punching through walls and getting into places without doors. And punching through walls and getting through places with doors. In this case, the old man from earlier puts his hand on Sue's shoulder and says, I simply recommend the door. The old man introduces himself as Dal Damok, who's watching over the place in Black Bolt's absence. He calls himself the Summoner, the Herald of the New Inhuman Age, and he tells them, Welcome to Universal City. Oh, are they going on the Universal City tour? The Jaws ride is awesome. Sue says something to Dal Demok about him standing on a perpetual motion planar construct. Since when does Sue talk like that? It seems like Hickman is trying to turn Sue into a genius as well. I mean, why not 
They've got half a dozen super genius kids living at the Baxter Building now. He asked why a woman like her would ever let her feet touch the ground. And then she stands on an invisible platform too. Better? She asked. Are they flirting with each other? I know she likes older men, but I bet Dal Demok is like well into his hundreds. So anyway, he goes to lead the FF inside the building. They ask Dal Demok what race built this place. And he seems to imply that some kind of universal collective built the city. So far, the city seems pretty empty. Large and empty. It's like they're inside a Kmart. He says there's one answer. Eldrick the Doorway. And Eldrick was a minor politician who became irrelevant during the unification, and now he serves as the threshold between this place and all others. Next, Dal Damok mentions the origin of the Inhumans, which the FF already know, but he still gives us readers a recap. Long ago, the alien race, the Kree, were performing experiments with early humans on Earth, and that created the Inhumans. But what Reed doesn't know yet is that the Kree carried out the same experiments on many other races throughout the universe. He says they achieved success with five races. So these races became evolved so that with the Inhumans they can subject themselves to the mist of Terrigen crystals and gain superpowers. Ah, you gotta love a crystal that emits a mist. I think I got something like that off of QVC. Other races could transform by inject injecting themselves with the extract of isogen orbs, another by taking a drop of irreplaceable diluted water from the dormant amphogen well, another race by consuming the nectar of the night blooms from the antigen tree, and another race transformed by inhaling the exogen spice. You know, of the five, I think inhaling the exogen spice sounds pretty much like the best. Let me join that race. Dal says the Kree Supreme Intelligence intended for these races to not only be weapons, but to be fertile soil for reigniting the stagnant Kree evolution. Just then, a group of aliens surround the FF. Dal says the people of Universal City represent the salvation for a dying race. He says that Black Bolt and the rest of the Inhumans have returned to the Kree homeworld. Reed asks, To save the Kree? Dal replies, surprisingly, to crush them under his belt. He's not too keen on whatever the Kree have planned for them, and the five races would like to forge their own path. He says, they are a tribe unto themselves, the Universal Inhumans, a name that makes no sense, because the other four races aren't human. So how, they can, how can they be called inhumans? For example, I recognize one of the races as the Dire Wraiths from the comic book which Marvel doesn't have the rights to anymore so I can't mention but the Dire Wraiths still belong to Marvel and how can you call them inhumans too? They're like in Dire Wraiths. I don't know what to call them. Some others are from a race called the Centaurians so they could be called the Incentarians, that works a little bit better. The FF are led to a room filled with all these so-called Universal Inhumans. It's like a throne room where the leaders of each group have gathered. Dal Damok introduces them all. There are the Centurions, 
led by the matriarch Ula Udanta. As in, Ula, you don't want to mess with her. There's a, there's the Mord Council, presided over by the Badoon Queen, Aladi Ku-Eek. As in, one look at her hairy arms and you go eek. There's Anami Whitemane of the Chameleons. The Chameleons are the horse-faced people, but their snouts are long and slender and they look like dicks. I guess in the Marvel Universe, you could say that someone is hung like a chameleon. And really, Jonathan Hickman, he loves his power pack, doesn't he? And there's the goddess Avo, ruler of the of the dire wraiths. Dal Damok says all these groups share a distinct genetic marker and were constructed with dormant mythology, shared visual imprints left by those who made them. The other four leaders say they share a destiny. Five queens for one king. And the one king who will return from the forever night. And under his banner, they will reclaim the Holy Land, New Hala. Okay, that sounds problematic. Whenever anyone uses the phrase, Holy Land, there's gonna be trouble. Dal says that the king they're waiting for is Black Bolt. And when he returns, they will all be together, a new people in a new land. Reed ask, here on the blue area of the moon? Well, that would be convenient if that was the holy land. But holy lands are never that easy. Except for Utah. No one ever wanted to fight the Mormons over Utah. Cause there ain't nothing there. Except for the world's grossest lake. So Dal Damok says their holy land is someplace better. And they point to a window. Looking out at Earth, of course. And oddly enough, just at that moment, the part of Earth facing the moon that we can see is the Middle East. I assume they're talking about Earth and not just the Middle East. So that ends the story, and on the next page, we get a list of facts, which is an odd thing to have. You know, a fact page like this. It says there are 110,000 citizens living in the inhuman city ship, which, that ain't so bad. I'm sure they could find a place to live on Earth pretty easy. This isn't as bad as the billions of people from the future who wanted to live on Earth. The city is comprised of 22,000 Centaurians, 17,250 Badoon, 26,250 Chameleons, and 44,500 Dire Wraiths. That's an excessive amount of Dire Wraiths. They're not really nice creatures. At least, they weren't back in the day of the comic book. The city also has 726 inhuman prisoners locked on the black level of the city ship. Well, that doesn't sound like foreshadowing at all, does it? Oh, sorry. No poetry this episode. I know, I know. It's upsetting. The next issue is about the negative zone, and I couldn't find any poems about alternate dimensions. I was sure that Emily Dickinson had a few, but nope, I can't find any. So that's all I have for now. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott at podcastff, 
And you can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Threaten to me.